About 10 years ago, Louise Chu was a reporter at the Associated Press. At work, she and her colleagues would skim the district attorney's press releases every day to see which court cases were coming up. It was just another Saturday, and Louise was enjoying her day off. That's when she got an email from a coworker. My colleague at the time was doing the daily court checks, and he checked the press release for this district attorney's office and saw a case with my name on it. And he forwarded it to me as a friendly joke, just kind of going like, haha, what are you doing after hours? <laughs> the charges against Luis's namesake included armed robbery, prostitution, and drug possession. In any other situation, Luis would have just laughed it off. But five months before, her wallet was stolen in a San Francisco mall. The thief had gone and opened bank accounts in her name and was overdrawing them. She was starting to receive collection notices. When I saw the email in my inbox, I was like, oh my gosh, is this related to that? I opened the email and I checked the charges and it was my exact birthday. So I knew immediately that something was wrong. Using some of her reporter contacts, she got in touch with the attorney in charge of the case. He told her it was normal protocol to prosecute the defendant under the name they were using when they got arrested. I continued to get press releases with my name on it. (laughs) Um, So about two months went by with, you know, first it was the charges, then it was a court date and it was a plea. And I, you know, slowly getting updates. When it got all the way to a plea and a sentencing, I started getting really worried. Um, So I decided to go down to the court myself and attend the sentencing to make sure that it was not going to be Louise Chu who was sentenced to these charges. Did the woman show up? She was. She was in custody the entire time. Did you get to meet her? I did not meet her, but I definitely, I I witnessed my own sentencing, (laughs) so to speak. I sat in the peanut gallery while she stood up in front of the court as Louise Chu and, you know, pleaded no contest to the charges. Watching her imposter get sentenced to two years in prison, Louise realized she really needed to hustle, and she narrowly avoided becoming a convicted felon that day by filling out some crucial paperwork, something called a judicial declaration of innocence, before she left the courthouse. But it took Louise seven years to fully reclaim her identity. She continued to fight collection agency after collection agency as they hounded her and even her relatives for the unpaid bills from all kinds of things that she never bought. Hi, I'm Brad Stone. And I'm Lizette Chapman. And this week on Decrypted, we're talking about identity theft as we begin to understand the potential fallout from a devastating cyber attack on the credit bureau Equifax. The hacker stole highly sensitive information on 143 million Americans. In the past, identity theft victims had their credit cards, IDs, and social security cards taken from them physically. Luis had her purse snatched in a shopping mall. The Equifax hack stole all that information, but on an epic scale. We probably won't understand the full impact of the consequences for years to come. We'll talk to experts about what you can do to protect your identity, not just because of the breach at Equifax, but the tons of other data heists that have left so many Americans vulnerable over the years. Stay with us.
All right, breaking news this morning, one of the biggest security breaches in history, and there's a very good chance your personal information has been breached. Credit On September 7th, Equifax announced that it was hacked. Questions this morning about a massive breach at the credit monitoring company Equifax. And some experts are saying it could be the largest single breach in U.S. history. Equifax, of course, is one of the three big consumer credit reporting agencies in the U.S., that means Equifax is basically a vault full of most American consumers' most sensitive financial information. How big a deal is this? I mean, 145 million people, that's pretty much everybody in America, isn't it? Every day, we're learning more about what exactly happened. But we still don't know two really important things. Who was behind the attack? and where that stolen data is now. Right, but the federal authorities are working with the FBI and have opened a criminal investigation. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the Federal Trade Commission, and at least 34 state attorney generals have also opened inquiries. Congress is due to question the CEO, Richard Smith, on October 3rd. I doubt he's looking forward to that day. Yeah, but you know, this is hardly the first data breach. That's true. Hacks have increased in severity and scope in recent years. Some of the names that spring to mind, Home Depot, Target, Yahoo, Anthem, all getting targeted and compromised. Now, these other hacks, they stole email addresses, credit card numbers, and phone numbers. But, you know, Brad, like we were talking about earlier, this, this Equifax breach... It was worse. Right, because it touched so many people. Right. Equifax keeps records on everything from your credit card spending to your mortgage repayments. And the company has your address, your birthday, driver's license number, and crucially, your social security number, all of which was compromised in, in this breach or potentially breaches, plural. The unfortunate reality is that the system we have has really elevated the importance of the social security number as an identifier to, to the peak. That's Eva Velasquez. She's the president and CEO of the Identity Theft Resource Center, a nonprofit that helps victims of identity theft. It is the holy grail of identifiers, and it should not carry as much weight as it does, but it does. So it is what you can use to open lines of credit and really establish an identity in a lot of areas. So, um, again, medical provide it to law enforcement. And if there's a criminal issue that's occurred, um, you can use it to apply for government benefits and file taxes. So it's very, very open what can be done with a social security number. Louise Chu's story that you heard about earlier is a good example of this. Because her social security card was in the wallet that was stolen from her, access to that number was what allowed the thieves to do so much damage. Ava says the Equifax breach makes people even more vulnerable than a typical pickpocketing because most people don't carry their social security card with them. Identity theft isn't something we think about a lot, but especially now that Equifax has been hacked, it's something we all need to confront. Identity fraud affects 15.4 million U.S. consumers last year which was a record high and a 33% increase just from 2011. That's according to a study from Javelin Strategy and Research. So the Equifax breach is massive in comparison. It's huge. Now, we're not saying that every person whose information was stolen will suffer identity theft. But disturbingly, and this is the part that freaked me out when we were reporting this out, is that the fallout doesn't appear right away. 
Usually it comes out in dribs and drabs over many months and years. Right. In some cases, it can take decades to finally end a case of identity theft, giving the thief time to commit a variety of crimes. And that's part of the torture. I would say about five years, after about five years had passed, um, the, the accounts started falling away and my credit score came back. At the lowest, my FICO score was down into like the 500 range. So... Luckily, I didn't have to take out any loans or I didn't need any of those pieces um, at the time. It would have been impossible. That was Luis, who we met earlier. But she's not the only one. Here's Molly Leisure. Her wallet was stolen out of her purse back in 2000. Every time I'd think I had had it solved, something else would pop up or I'd get a letter or I'd get a, you know, a towing notice or I'd get a another citation in the mail and... It took a really long time. I mean, two years from the date of the of the original theft, you know, for it to stop. And so there was just that for a long time, I lived with that feeling like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, You know, when is this going to end? In Molly's case, the thief was able to get a California driver's license with all of Molly's information. When Molly visited the DMV to resolve the matter, it was like a punch to the gut. There, you know, I, I was standing there at the DMV counter saying, no, I'm no, I'm Molly. And they said, well, this is this is Molly pointing to the picture of this woman. And so for me to have to jump through all these hoops to prove who I was, uh, was very disconcerting. The thief used Molly's ID to open bank accounts, pass thousands of dollars in bad checks, get a car loan and rack up parking tickets, bridge toll evasions, and generally just wreak havoc on Molly's life. Her credit score and her peace of mind were ruined. I had definitely moments of panic where, what if I can't prove that this isn't me? You know, what if I can't get this sorted out? What if this is going to follow me forever? Ronnie Bogle's fight was much longer and messier. When Ronnie was 18, his older brother, Gary Wayne Bogle, stole the paper copies of his birth certificate and social security card out of their grandmother's Bible. Today, Ronnie is 46, so he's been dealing with the fallout for decades. He couldn't get an apartment or a cell phone or buy a car in his own name. It took a huge toll on his life and his health. Just, I mean, complete emotional collapse. Um, um, emotionally and physical collapse at one point. I think by the, when I was 21, um, I was around 21, I was so emotionally drained uh, that I was hospitalized for things like dehydration from crying so much and being so depressed. That sounds terrible, but it's not uncommon at all. People talk a lot about the financial impact. Fraudsters have stolen an estimated $112 billion in the last six years alone. But the emotional toll is equally or possibly even more damaging. According to a survey conducted by the Identity Theft Resource Center at the end of 2016, 17% of the 300 people surveyed, 17% reported it ending a relationship with their significant other. And 8% of those people reported feeling suicidal. I liken the experience to having a condition sort of like chronic pain. This is Luis again. It was the the onslaught of these collections notices and 
um, the shame of not being able to get a new credit card, having my credit cards declined. Um, collections agencies would come after me on a weekly basis, um, and some of the more unscrupulous ones would threaten me. Um, they would call my relatives and threaten them. And these are relatives that did not know what had happened. And so I had relatives thinking that I was a deadbeat or just not paying my bills and trying to evade authorities. Victims of identity theft like Louise and Ronnie have to live on just cash for many years because their credit scores take such a big hit, which is a tremendous inconvenience on its own. But for some victims, identity fraud can have scary social and medical implications, too. Eva told me about one woman who had her wallet stolen. The thief, who was addicted to methamphetamines and pregnant, presented the woman's ID to the hospital when she gave birth and abandoned the baby. The identity theft victim had to undergo a medical exam to prove she didn't give birth. Her own children were yanked out of school, interviewed by Child Protective Services, and she still gets contacted regularly about back payment of child support and other issues every time the child who was abandoned by a real mother moves to a new foster home. She'll be dealing with this for the rest of her life. In Ronnie's case, his brother started getting medical care using Ronnie's name. I'm severely, deathly allergic to penicillin. He is not. So it was this constant fear that if something happened to me and I needed medical treatment and all of my records are all mixed up, would, would I be given penicillin? Would I be suddenly you know, given treatment that I didn't need? Eventually, collection agencies came after Ronnie, demanding $75,000 in overdue bills. It was horrifying to, to be faced with that. I knew nothing that I was going to be able to do at that point to get above and beyond what was happening to me. How, how did you respond to them? I mean, they're not... Crying most of the time, begging, this isn't me. And the response was... You know, a lot, in a lot of cases, the majority of it, sure it is, quit, quit, quit wasting our time. Um, the way that it, the attorneys and the creditors talked to me on the phone was so abusive that not only was I facing what I was going through and had been for so many decades, I felt they're coming after me. My wages are going to be garnished. The apartment that I've co-signed is going to affect that person's credit. It was, it was torture. How many phone calls do you suppose you made? Probably, and I am unfortunately not exaggerating, probably 10,000. Okay. Uh, you period. Know, that's, of- a of, that's a lot of my life. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of my life I spent making phone calls for something I didn't do. I'm sorry, emotional, but the pain is still there, you know. It just, in a lot of ways, you don't get it back. You don't get your time back. You're robbed not only of your financial abilities, you're robbed of your time. As we've been hearing, having your identity stolen can destroy your life. And when it comes to the Equifax hack, we simply don't know how much damage has been done. Sometimes, after a cyber attack, the data appears on the dark web, the online black market, if the attacker is trying to make a quick buck. But those stolen identities have not yet been found. That's making some experts worried. 
that the thieves have more complex ambitions that have yet to play out. That also means this is the perfect time to make sure you do what you can right now to protect yourself. That the first thing you need to do is pull your credit reports. That's Eva, our identity theft expert again. Even if you aren't a victim of this breach, if you haven't pulled your credit report in a while or ever, this is one of the first steps that you can do to take control. Everyone is entitled to a free credit report every 12 months from each of the three major bureaus. You can request it from annualcreditreport.com. Once you do that, you need to review it carefully. It's not complicated. It's just a little bit tedious. And make sure that there's nothing on there that's unfamiliar or that you don't recognize. And then if there is fraudulent activity, you need to go directly to the source. You need to report that to the issuer of the credit and then to the credit reporting agency. Whichever one it is on your, whichever credit report it's on, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's all three. So there is some legwork involved there. Once it's accurate, you can put a freeze on your credit. This means no one can open new accounts unless you unfreeze it. You can also set a fraud alert, which requires the creditor to verify your identity before issuing a credit card or opening an account. This won't stop the thief like a credit freeze would do, but it does require the lender to take additional steps. Another step you can take is to enroll in a free year-long credit monitoring service that Equifax is offering as a way of apologizing to consumers. You have until November 21st to enroll. Or you could also pay for other credit monitoring services. This is something that you will have to do for the rest of your life. Good identity hygiene is just a part of the world we live in. It's like brushing your teeth. And a a breach highlights that for us. Brad, you've been the victim of an identity theft too, haven't you? That's right, Lizette. Yes, my friend Brad Stone up in Seattle. Uh, No, some fellow uh, with a bit of an online shopping addiction who obtained my personal information somehow over 10 years ago. I really have no idea how. And I just started to get notices that bills were due, uh, different accounts that I had never opened. What'd you do? How'd you, you know, handle it's, it? It was, it's a real nightmare. And, you know, I, we don't want a scaremonger here. And, uh, you know, the chances that your identity will be stolen uh, are small. But, oh, my God, like, I put fraud alerts on the three credit agencies. Then I, it kept going. I put freezes on them. They give you PIN numbers. You got to save the PINs. And then when you want to take out credit, it's an ordeal. But I will say this. At one point, I got frustrated, and I called the guy in Seattle. What did he say? Yeah, because I had I, I somehow had all of his information. Oh, I had it because all the stuff that he was ordering online was being delivered to his to a home. So I called up, and I said, you know, and I just – I said uh, – I think somebody that's been impersonating me here, and I would really appreciate it if you would stop. And they mumbled. did he stop? Well, uh, they did. It did stop when I put freezes on the accounts because that nobody can open up an account in your name. I also had to wrangle with my credit card company and all these different uh, e-commerce companies to go and and reverse the charges. It was a, it's a nightmare. Today, Ronnie is forty six. It's been almost 30 years since he first realized that his brother stole his birth certificate and social security card from him. His brother is serving seven years in prison, the maximum sentence for stealing his identity. And Ronnie today has a lease and a phone in his own name for the first time. I'm no longer a victim. I'm a survivor. Meanwhile, for Louise, it's been a decade since that day she sat in the courthouse and watched her imposter get sentenced in her name. After years of endless calls with collection agencies, she thinks she's finally cleaned up the mess. But even for her, the psychological scars from the criminal case and hearing herself be sentenced are still there. 
Yeah. I mean, she still carries around the paperwork that proves her innocence, signed by a judge 10 years ago, everywhere she goes. She also checks her credit report every single month. I asked her if she has any last parting tips for our listeners. To be really honest, what that that whole experience, obviously I do what's logical and practical. Um, but I also learned that we, we don't have control over our information. A lot, this happens so often and you just have to be, be prepared for it. You know, if you're going to be engaging in the internet and, you know, online shopping or online banking, there's really no way you can fully protect against everything. So um, my best advice is just to understand what information is out there and be prepared if something happens. And that's it for this week's episode of Decrypted. Thanks for listening. If you've been affected by the Equifax breach and have a story to share, get in touch at decrypted at Bloomberg.net. Or I'm on Twitter at Lizette underscore Chapman. And I'm at Brad Stone. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. This goes a long way to get this show in front of more listeners. This episode was produced by Pia Gadkari, Aki Ito, Liz Smith, and Magnus Henriksen. A very special thanks to our reporter, Natalie Wong, who helped with today's show. We'll see you next week.